Last time on License to Parent. I think we need to raise our children on how a man and a woman complement one another. I mean, we both bring different things to the table. You know, we need to embrace those differences, cultivate those differences, um, and celebrate them, actually. That's Allison Wallace of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Last week, we began a conversation with Allison about developing godly women with honest and objective perspectives in order to change the culture. We'll continue that conversation today on Licensed to Parent. Well, as we mentioned, Trace, on our last program, uh, our guest today is a young lady who basically grew up here at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Her name is Allison Wallace. She works here at Shepherd's Hill as Director of Program Development. Prior to that, she was the Girls Wilderness Program Supervisor for a number of years. And uh, by her own tongue, she says residential care is not just a job but a passion for her. Uh, Allison studied counseling psychology and developmental psychology at Toccoa Falls College uh, in Toccoa Falls, Georgia. And uh, again, as we mentioned last week, she and her husband Joshua are both on staff here and live here on campus with their two-year-old daughter. And um, what we also discovered uh, after digging very deeply was that Allison happens to be your daughter, so she literally did. Or so the Russians would have us believe. (laughs) She really did, though, grow up (laughs) right here on the campus, right? Yeah, she absolutely did. Well, Allie, uh, you know, so much of what we've been talking about in our last program um, is, I think, rooted in in a lack of modesty and humility and a biblical worldview. Uh, and traditional values. Um, you've always understood the importance of women, uh, in particular, exercising modesty in every way in, in how they talk, how they dress, um, and how they conduct themselves uh, in, in any and every environment they're in, in, including the workforce or in school. And it's it's not that men shouldn't conduct themselves modestly as well, because, you know, Scripture certainly alludes to the importance of, of modesty for both sexes. But why is it particularly important for women? Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it this way, when you go to a job interview, um, you are going to really pay attention to what you're wearing. Why? Because first impressions are really important, and by, you know, what you put on um, will help with that first impression. So if you wear sweatpants and a hoodie and you go into this interview, uh, chances are you're going to put a first impression out there that you're not taking this very serious. And then Unless you're, bit... you're going for a job at Gold's Gym. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or the so, tattoo parlor. <laughs> yeah. So when you put when you get dressed, I mean, for every day, you're, you're putting an impression out there of yourselves. And what do you want that to be interpreted um, by those around you? Not that if you wear something immodest that that makes you it makes it okay for men to not respect you but it is putting an impression out there of what you may be uh looking for what you know how how you um expect others to treat you so there is a bit of self responsibility that you know we need to as women need to take that when we get dressed what do we want this to say about us and how do we uh, expect to be treated so we need to really consider that mm-hmm. if i could toss in just a, a second thought along these lines and men and women who are married anyway certainly you would understand this uh, ladies, if you are at home with your husband at night and you're wanting to appeal to him in a certain way, you might wear, let's just say, sexy lingerie. Or combat boots and, you know, overalls. Or a full-length flannel nightgown. Those are going to give off very different <laughs> signals, right. either of which is appropriate in the marriage context. Sure. 
but is not appropriate in general, you know, going out to the mall right. type thing. Right. So I, I guess that's sort, sort of what you're saying. You will get a reaction mm-hmm. from the way you present yourself. And yeah. this goes, this does go for men also. Yeah, and I, I use this uh, phrase with the girls when I interact with the girls here at Shepherd's Hill. Uh, you're going to catch the kind of fish that you cut bait for. Mm-hmm. You know, so whatever you go out trolling, chumming uh, for, that's the kind of fish that you're going to catch. And, and a lot of that is uh, in, in how you dress and how you put your makeup on. I want to talk to you about makeup here in just a minute. But uh, first, I want to ask you if you think uh, what percentage of American parents who have teenagers do you think really grasp this? Well, uh, I mean, if you go to the mall, you'd think not very many because there's all of these, these young girls. Um, I was watching uh, The Voice the other night and there was a girl who's you know great singer, beautiful girl, um, great figure, and then she was wearing something that you wouldn't really expect a young girl to wear. And then I found out she's fourteen years old. Oh my gosh! And I know some of the judges were probably like, "Oh my gosh, she does not look fourteen years old." And yeah. I, they were probably attracted to her, and then found out she was fourteen. Yeah. And so I think um, it goes back to parents. Maybe a little bit of trying to live through their child vicariously of, Mm -hmm. you know, I want my child to be popular. I want my child to be beautiful. I want others to think she's beautiful. Um, I didn't get homecoming queen, but I'm darn sure going to make sure that my my daughter gets it uh, by hook or by crook. You know, you've been at Shepherd's Hill all your life. You've experienced parents who seem to have a greater problem than their their kids in this area. It's Mm -hmm. almost embarrassing for their for their kids to see mom dressed up like a streetwalker, thinking that that's fashionable. I, I mean, I just got back from the uh, the NRB not too long ago, National Religious Broadcasters. And I'm looking at women who are in ministry dressed up as if they're not there to minister, or at least not in the way that you know, you'd, you'd traditionally think. Mm-hmm. Uh, what message do you have for moms that would uh, open their eyes that their daughters and, and, and even they are more than just a sexual novelty toy for the average American uh, male. Yeah. Well, if moms aren't willing to check themselves and their hearts on, on the issue of dress and modesty, then they're really unfortunately losing a, a, a crucial platform to be able to speak to their daughters. I mean, mm-hmm. if they're not going to model that, they can speak it all they want. Um, it's not going to be heard by you know their daughters. Um, and I think, too— a lot of people get off track with the modesty because they think, oh, well, I have to wear baggy pants and this and that, and it's all about the way I dress. But modesty goes is so much more than that. It's really just dress is a small part of it. But modesty is a heart issue. Right. It's a character issue. It's how you handle yourself, how you um, communicate um, verbally, and um, just how you're how you are holding yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if we really need to to evaluate our hearts on why we're doing certain things, um, and just bottom line is where does your value come from? If you're yeah. looking for your value in other men or other women, then chances are it's going to be really, this, this subject is probably really hard for you. If your value is coming from the Lord and you're confident in who you are, then um, chances are you probably are, are doing a little bit better in this area. Yeah, I just don't think a lot of parents out there, from my experience, are finding their value uh, uh, and their confidence in the Lord. I think the, the the brainwashing, the indoctrination from the culture has crept into the church to the point where um, we don't 
get it very often. And so I guess the buck really stops with dads in the home. What counsel do you have for dads who are seeing their wives uh, dress like, you know, uh, in, in ways that just isn't becoming to the, the quiet and gentle spirit that uh, uh, First Peter talks about? Uh, how can they expect their daughters to do uh, much better than that? I think dads need, if they see this issue in their wife, then they need to be having some private conversations with them to the side, heart to hearts, explaining um, this issue. And maybe it's an ignorance on the wife's part that she doesn't understand. Naivety. Um, yeah, the magnitude of, of what she's doing. In this day and age, I find that hard to believe that you can make it to adulthood and not get that part. But, um, you know, I, I, it could it could happen. So I think just having making sure the husbands are communicating to their wives, but also talking, you know, to their daughters and explaining how they can love. Um, you know, their brothers in Christ better by being more alert and aware of of what they're doing with their bodies, whether it's um, the way they're holding themselves, carrying themselves, or the way they're dressing. And or maybe understanding the, the wiring of the male brain, that the visual stimulation is, is really the big one for, for men, whereas for women it's more, you know, uh, situational and, and, and touch and things like that. Um, can women in the workplace or or, or girls uh, in in school actually provoke a, a sexual harassment uh, situation at all, or even abuse? Uh, is there is there any degree at all of culpability on the, on the part of women today that might mitigate some of this stuff that we're hearing so much about in the news? Well. I definitely believe there are just flat out victims, you know, people who sure. didn't go looking for it and and then it's a terrible tragedy that it happened to them. And then there are also cases and I think what you're talking about is those who wanted attention, they wanted to be affirmed, so they wore a certain thing and the attention that they were seeking they got but maybe it went too far. Look, when we're counseling students or we're counseling families, we always sit down and look at the issue. And they, you know, whenever there's two, two people involved in an issue, um, somebody, both of them, can have takeaway on what they could have done better. It might be 90 10, you know, one person was 90% wrong and there was 10%. Um, the other person could have done something a little bit better. So, in this issue of you know sexual harassment, I think it's only wise for us to, to as women um, to say, is there anything that we can be doing better, or anything that we are doing that that is giving the wrong impression? I mean, so much of this is happening out there. Is there just that many uh, jerks in the world? Which we know there are jerks out there, but are we are we um unknowingly or unwillingly sending these messages and need to be more aware of what we can do to stop it. I, I think that what you just said may play into uh, one other thing, and I, I'm thinking of Philippians 2, 3, that you know, talks about doing nothing out of selfish ambition, but you know, basically looking out for the interest of the other person as being more important than yourself. And I know that with a lot of what we talked about in our last program, that being this political movement toward, you know, women are victims, there's a war on women and that sort of thing. I think that has fostered an attitude from women toward men that, you know, men really are jerks, men really are stupid, men really can be manipulated, and they see as a weakness in men the fact that men are visually stimulated. 
And that if, you know, if I'm a woman and I can dress provocatively and, you know, the man all of a sudden loses his train of thought when I walk in the room, that's laughable. It's a power trip for and her. And it is a power trip. And, and again, I, I so appreciate your saying there really are those victims out there who've mm-hmm. done nothing wrong. But I do know some people who sort of have this attitude and they've, they've kind of jumped on the, the whole bandwagon of if I can make fun of a man, more power to me. And so they may put themselves in a position of being provocative, trying to elicit one reaction, but instead getting another unwanted reaction. And that mm-hmm. could be part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to have this conversation without looking at both sides. Um, Absolutely. And, and yeah, we do need to address the, the issue with men who are taking advantage or preying upon people who are more vulnerable than them. But then we also need to look at the side of women where um, what can we be doing uh, better and what how can we be taking more ownership in in this area? I actually feel a little bit sorry for guys today right now just because um, they are getting so much negative attention and it almost feels like um, there's a, a little bit of a trend of just like man bashing right now and I don't I don't like that I don't um, I'm not on board with that I work you know, in, in a, well, Christian ministry. So I'm, I'm sure that are a Christian residential therapeutic boarding school. So I'm, I'm sure that, um, that environment helps, but I also travel and do a lot of conferences, um, with, with, uh, men who aren't believers and I don't feel, um, attacked. I don't feel disrespected. I, in fact, I feel, um, very, uh, respected by my, you know, male colleagues. So, um, it's not it's not everywhere, it, but it is out there, and I think it is it's good that it's we're addressing it. But it isn't it isn't every man, and um, I don't I don't want I don't want that message to be something that we take and run with. Right, and you know we we live in a day where guys don't know whether to spit or wind their watch when it comes to dealing with women, whether they're being too chivalrous or not chivalrous <laughs> enough. Uh, they don't know if they're crossing a line here or there or, or that there is a line. Uh, there can very often be a fine line between flirting, which is, I think, common to the the human experience, uh, yeah, flirting in the workplace or at school, uh, and real sexual harassment and abuse. And, and so let me ask you, as a, as a young, you know, 30-year-old uh, female, uh, where... Where should we be teaching our kids that that line is? Yeah, I mean, there definitely is a difference between harassment and and just a a man flattering a woman. I I think that just goes back to making sure parents are being intentional about teaching their kids what's appropriate, what's good, um, making sure dads are showing their daughters appropriate and you know, healthy affection, and um, that moms are, are teaching, you know, their sons how to interact um, with women and how to be respectful and, and to be chivalrous. I think then when they have that that deep understanding and it's uh, a good foundation, they can go out into the workplace and, and think for themselves of, you know what, that that's not a direction I want to be heading. They could just head that off by putting distance in between those people. I mean, you can you can kind of tell um, when someone's headed in, in a direction you don't want to be in. And I think just putting some distance between you and that person is preventative and is smart rather than 
enjoying the affirmation that you're getting from their attention as it spirals downward and gets a little uglier and uglier. And pretty soon, you know, you are now in a really bad situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's where I would encourage women to be proactive in that as recognize instead of, you know, um, just continuing to take that attention and being selfish about it. You know, be strong, set that boundary for yourself and for the other party involved. I'm saying this, this isn't, I'm just going to go ahead and stand up and say, we're done here kind of thing. How many parents do you think actually have this kind of talk with their kids and what can they do to uh, jumpstart a conversation in this vein? Yeah, I think um, parents are are just letting uh, culture dictate that um, and makeup and stuff like that, like letting the YouTube tutorials teach their child how to do makeup instead of of them getting involved. And my advice with them, if if they have a standard, if they have an expectation or um, then they need to get involved. Otherwise they're going to YouTube it or Google it and figure it out for themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's some pretty unaccepted concepts in scripture by today's American cultural standards anyway. Uh, one of them is the idea of the importance of submission, females, uh, hus- uh, wives submitting to their husbands. In fact, most marriage vows until recent years had the bride recite the words honor and obey their husbands with respect you know, to uh, the relationship. Is the term submission uh, the bad word that we've made it out to be? And if so, uh, Why? Let's answer that when we come back. We've got to take a quick break and we'll continue this conversation with, we'll give Allison a few moments to ponder that and (laughs) come back with a perfect answer in just a moment. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, our guest today, Allison Wallace, the Director of Program Development at Shepherds Hill Academy. She's been working here and with the girls in our program for a number of years and we are trying to grasp as much of her wisdom today as we possibly can. Incidentally, she was a guest on our last program as well. If you'd like to hear that conversation or any other past conversations on License to Parent, you'll find them on our website at licensetoparent.org. Back with more in just a moment. The world of digital technology is always changing, and it's changing you if you're comfortable with technology or not. Your kids may take technology almost completely for granted and rarely notice its effects. On the other hand, you may adapt to technology more slowly, but are affected by the digital invasion just as much as your kids. In the book, The Digital Invasion, How Technology is Shaping You and Your Relationships, authors Dr. Archibald Hart and Sylvia Hart-Fried uncover the ways digital technology is changing us from within, physically, mentally, and especially spiritually, and offers therapeutic and biblical strategies to become good stewards of our digital lives. The Digital Invasion also includes 10 pages featuring Trace Embry of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Find The Digital Invasion in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherd's Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed to parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way 
I cannot gain say how important this is and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. We're talking today about modesty, actually, for both young men and young women as they enter the workforce, as they live their lives, as they try to combat this world that is full of both men and women. And uh, our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Allison Wallace. She's the Director of Program Development here at Shepherds Hill Academy and uh, has a good bit of experience in working with young ladies in particular on the areas of how to live and think and dress modestly as opposed to inappropriately Mm -hmm. in all interactions. And Allison, we're glad you're here. And uh, Trace gave us the question beforehand. Uh, Trace, why don't you ask it again? Because I gave you two minutes to figure this out. (laughs) How should parents talk about the issue of submission with respect to their daughters when it comes to, you know, meeting a boy uh, and then uh, as it crosses over into a, a marriage relationship? I think the word submission seems sometimes can be a dirty word because they associate it with no choice or or weakness. Yeah, or weakness. And I think that um, it would be better explained to them as submission is more of just loving the other person and being open to their point of view and their needs and being willing to put them first. So I think by there are times where Josh and I don't agree. Um, in the end, there has to be one driver of the car kind of thing or else we'll tear each other off the road. But our way that we deal with you know, conflict when one feels strongly versus the other, um, we, we try to find a compromise and try to find a way to love each other by if one person can come a little this way and the other person can come a little this way and we give and we find a happy medium. With, with that perspective, rarely do we ever find ourselves in a situation where one will just not give. And so, I mean, I am a person, I have thoughts, I have feelings, and just like he does, and I, you know, he values those feelings, and he de- he never um, takes uh, the reins and just runs over me and says, well, I'm the man of the house, so I get to do whatever I want type of thing. Um, there, There isn't an, an abuse of that power, and I think it's important to, to have, you know, the person that you marry, that you, you have trust in that person. It's a lot easier to submit and to love them and to give a little when you trust that they have your best interest at heart. Absolutely. And so I think that relationship, um, that marriage relationship has to be one that's built on trust and built on love. Uh, And so if that's not there, that can be really, really hard to do. It's a whole lot easier to submit to someone who you know is taking their authority from someone greater than themselves. Mm -hmm. Because the the buck does, according to Scripture, uh, needs to stop with the the man if if things come to a push versus shove. But... I polled virtually every class of girls we've had since we've been doing this here at Shepherd's Hill, and I ask them this question. If you knew you had a guy that would commit to you, love you as Christ loved the church, protect you, provide for you, and had your best interests in mind, would you have any trouble at all submitting to that to the headship of, 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 that, of that man? I've never had a girl yet say they would have trouble with that. Yeah. You know, I like what Adrian Rogers said. He says, anything with no head is dead. Anything with two heads is a freak. Mm-hmm. So you have to have 
you know, a, a leader where the buck stops when when uh, uh, push comes to shove. But it's so much easier for the woman when the guy is is, is submitted himself to and, God. And you just pointed out the other side of that equation that is so often overlooked. People argue about the submission point. Well, the other part of that verse talks about husbands, you are to love your wives. Right. And Christ gave us the model for love. Greater man has no greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. Exactly. It's like your husband is willing to take a bullet for you. He's willing to die for you. Yeah. Um he's willing to sacrifice what may seem to be in his best interest for what's in your best interest in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. And if we guys will do that, then we're probably not going to have any argument on the other side of the table. Yeah. When I do that thing with the girls here at Shepherd's Hill, that's the one time I allow the guys to, to look over the other side of the room and, and see, and see all the, the response. If you guys would just be committed to the, the God of the universe and be people under submission yourself yeah. to that greater authority, uh, you're not going to have any trouble finding a, 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 a female that's going to commit to you, you know, in, a, in a godly way. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Allison, you mentioned speaking at conferences around the country. And Trace, I know you were recently in a an online conference, a webinar. If folks want to find out more about the work of Shepherd's Hill outside of the gates of Shepherd's Hill, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, um, you just follow us on Facebook or you can find us on uh, the website at shepherdshillacademy.org. Also licensed to parent.org. There's resource material there. If you can't spell Shepherd's Hill Academy, just say uh, helpmytroubledteen.org or licensedtoparent.org. Either one, there'll be plenty of resources there to help you. Now, I know I receive uh, the Shepherd's Hill newsletter by, actually, I get it both in print and by email. <laughs> Some uh, people say that's our best ministry right there, the newsletter. Well, and that's, for that. that's something also that you can sign up for. I would just like our listeners to have a better opportunity to get connected with the work that we do. You, yeah. you hear this program or you hear it as a podcast, and that's great. And we keep doing it just for that reason. But uh, there are other ways that you can become connected and learn what we teach, where we're involved, what we're doing here. And who knows, if it doesn't benefit you, it may benefit a friend or a relative. And so. I, I want to tell people that, you know, the stuff that, that we're sharing with you, we don't sit behind a desk and, you know, hypothesize about these things. We're seeing this worked out in real time with kids that we live with 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, kids who come here one foot in the grave, as we often say, or one foot in jail, and they're leaving here. Most of these kids are leaving here on fire for the Lord and to change the culture. Isn't it the kind of kid that you want? But they need the security that comes along with knowing that there are absolute standards of moral right and wrong, that they have been lied to by our pop culture. It, it starts to make sense to them, and they'll come to their own conclusions if they're honest before God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Allison, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. And uh, since we do this program from a horse pasture, we'll let you ride off into the sunset. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Our guest today, Allison Wallace. She's the director of program development here at Shepherd's Hill Academy and the former Girls Wilderness Program Supervisor, too. And again, you can find out more about the work that she and the others at Shepherd's Hill do by going to helpmytroubledteen.org or shepherdshillacademy.org or simply clicking the link to Shepherd's Hill on our website, LicensedToParent.org. And remember that the work we do here on License to Parent is an extension of the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a year-long, Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, and we'd like you to help that work. 
you can get on board and help it continue with your tax-deductible gift that keeps this radio program on the air and provides scholarships to families who can't afford residential care otherwise so that they can get the help they need for a teen in crisis. You can give securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org and click the donate button. Again, LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to tell a fellow parent about us and then join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.